two, foot fly. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Fall is in the air, my friends, and I am here for it. Oh, love fall. I'm getting out my sweaters. I'm drinking pumpkin spice coffees. It's just the best. And this last weekend, I had the chance to go up into the mountains where the air was even more crisp and cool. And I had the opportunity to be at a fall retreat with over 100 women and lead worship. And it was so sweet as we lifted up and praised the name of Jesus together. It is truly one of my absolute favorite things to connect with churches and communities and organizations to equip Jesus followers to live with purpose and passion. So if you have an event coming up in which I could link arms with you and support your God-given vision through preaching or leading worship, please let me know. I would love to connect with you. And so you can reach out to me by going to carlycommunicates.com contact and tell me about your event. I'm in the midst of booking dates for the winter, the spring, and the summer, so I'd love to chat with you and dream up what we could do together. Well, last week on the podcast, we kicked off the Enneagram series, and we talked about how the Enneagram is a personality typing tool which helps us better understand ourselves and others and our relationship with God. And if you missed last week's introductory episode with my friend Carissa Harrison, who is an Enneagram coach, definitely go back and listen to that because that will give you an overview of how the Enneagram works and will give you a bird's eye view of all nine types. But today we are talking about what it's like to be an Enneagram One. And so I want to read a couple of statements from Ian Morgan Cron's book, The Road Back to You, about what it's like to be a one. And I'm curious for you to listen in and see if any of these statements resonate with you. Once again, these are written in The Road Back to You from Ian Morgan Cron. So first, people have told me that I can be overly critical and judgmental. Two, I beat myself up when I make mistakes. Three, I don't like it when people ignore or break the rules, like when the person in the fast lane at the grocery store has more items than allowed. (laughs) Hello, Uh, that's reading my mail right there. Number four, if I say I'll do it, I'll do it. Number five, I think it's my responsibility to leave the world better than I found it. Number six, I have a lot of self-discipline. Number seven, I spend a lot of time thinking about how I could be a better person. And number eight, I'm really disappointed when other people don't do their part. So do you resonate with any of those things or any of those statements? Or maybe you're thinking about someone in your life who may identify as an Enneagram One. And in either case, I think that this episode will be really, really helpful for you as we learn to navigate this world together. 
I mean, I personally, as I'm reading those things, they all resonate with me because I personally identify as an Enneagram one. I mean, you may have heard me last week say that I was kind of waffling between thinking about, oh my word, what if I'm a six? Because I do experience some of the tendencies of the six. But this has been a several year process that I've really felt like the one has been my dominant type that I resonate with and just lately been thinking about the six. But I did more reading and self-reflection this last week. And I do think that I am pretty rooted in the Enneagram One neighborhood. But some of you are going, okay, Carly, what is an Enneagram One? So let me just give you a quick little blurb. But like I said, go back to last week and learn even more from someone who is an actual Enneagram coach, because that is not me. (laughs) But I have been doing research for this series and we'll give you just little snippets of, um, yeah, an introduction for each type as we dive into each type each week. But people who identify as Enneagram Ones are known to be ethical, responsible, and principled people. Enneagram Ones are often called perfectionists, but in my mind, a healthier name for these individuals is to call them reformers. Enneagram Ones see the potential in the world and commit themselves to seeing the good come to fruition in their own lives, their work, and in the world around them. But we have to talk about the downsides. Ugh, yeah, I know. Not always fun, but reality, right? One of the downsides is that Enneagram Ones experience the presence of their inner critic who often dominates their inner dialogue, reminding the Enneagram One what is wrong, where they have fallen short, what they need to do to be better, and maybe even points out what other people do that are annoying, obnoxious, and not measuring up. Enneagram ones can find the inner critic to be deflating, discouraging, and exhausting to themselves, but also honestly, unfortunately, to the people around them. And I say this because, hello, I understand this inner critic too, too well. But the Enneagram is divided into three triads with the eight, the nine, and the one types in what is called the anger or gut triad, meaning as Morgan Cron says, once again, quote, They take in and respond to their life instinctually or at the gut level, and they tend to express themselves honestly and directly, end quote. So in this episode, we're also going to talk about what are called wings. And a wing is a number on either side of your dominant number, meaning that you can often take on the characteristics of one of those numbers in pretty significant ways. And so for the one, they can either be a one wing nine or a one wing two. And then each of the numbers is also connected to another number in stress and security. So in stress, ones move toward the unhealthy sides of a four, being more impacted by criticism, feeling discouraged, experiencing a lack of confidence, and sometimes feeling misunderstood. But each number is also connected somewhere, like I said, in security. And so in security, ones take on the whimsical, the fun, the imaginative nature of healthy sevens, oftentimes feeling confident to try new things and take risks without the inner critic raining on their parade. So I know this is a lot of details, but if you are new to the Enneagram, Like I said, check out Ian Morgan Cron's book, The Road Back to You. Google the Enneagram. Check out resources from Beth McCord, who has an Instagram handle of your Enneagram coach. There's a lot of great, great resources out there. And once again, my friend Carissa Harrison is also a coach as well. And she was on the podcast last week. 
But today, my friends, my friend Trevor Lubins is going to be on the podcast today, and he's going to be talking to us about what it's like to be an Enneagram One, how to utilize the voice of the inner critic in healthy ways, and how God has used the Enneagram to deepen his prayer life. Trevor and his wife, Jamie, have been friends of mine since I was in college. Jamie and I sang together in a few traveling music groups. We even went to France together, which was really fun. And I'll tell you what, I went to my fair share of Others Alley Concerts, which was a band that Trevor led for several years in the early 2000s. Before I just started to record this intro, I Googled Others Alley. And unfortunately, I can't find any of their music online. So Trevor, hello. You need to put some of your stuff on Spotify, please and thank you. (laughs) Well, as I will share in the episode as well, Trevor and I had the chance to work together for several years on the same church staff. And now Trevor is the lead pastor of Midtown Church, a new church plant in Boise, Idaho. Trevor is a lifelong student, an avid reader, a golf pro, in his dreams, he says, and a sushi enthusiast. Me too. Love me some sushi. But more than anything, Trevor is passionate about seeing people grow into more engaged and loving followers of Jesus. Trevor graduated from Trebekah Nazarene University with a degree in business and also worked as the university's creative director. He has spent the last 15 years in church ministry and is currently working to reimagine the church and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. Trevor and Jamie have been married for over 15 years. Yes, I was at their wedding. Woohoo. Loved it. Amazing day. And now they have two precious kids, Kellum and Taya. Well, with all of this said, let's dive into this amazing conversation with my friend and Enneagram One, Trevor Lubins. Well, hi, Trevor. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hello. I'm so glad that you're here as part of this Enneagram series. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a one. And we're both ones. This mm-hmm. is the episode that is also representative of me. But today I want you oh, to great. tell us about being a one. But first of all, Trevor, will you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. How much do you want to know? Um, my name is Trevor Lubins, uh, married to Jamie, mm-hmm. and two kids, Kalamantea, nine and four, and we have a dog scout. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't Golden know. Doodle? Golden uh, Doodle? Or Labradoodle. Yellow okay. Labradoodle. Okay. Yes. 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 And we thought he would be small. And he's gigantic. Yeah, how big is he now? Well, I think he's only like 70 pounds. Okay. But he just, it's more than what Jamie thought it was going to be. <laughs> so you just saw Shirley, because Shirley, our our dog is here yeah. the, at the podcast studio today. Yeah. Same size? Very similar size. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep, that's great. Good old scout. Yep, and we now live in Boise. Uh, I grew up in Moscow, lived in Seattle, then went to, Na- well, went to came to Nampa, Yep. Then went to Nashville and now back to Idaho. Yes. And tell us what you're doing vocationally. I am the lead pastor of Midtown Church. Yes. And hopefully, eventually founder of Midtown Collective. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So, well, actually, this probably has some stuff to do with Enneagram Ones. Yes. The perfectionist, which let's know it's the reformer. I like the reformer better. I like the reformer yep. better. Um, but yeah, I, we are rethinking... 
and reimagining church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the big goal is that the, the, the building would look a little bit differently than what, like a, I've, I'm a PK, pastor's kid. Yeah. I've been in churches and they all, they all look and function fairly similarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're hoping for just a really, really large um, coffee shop and a venue and a space for kids, which we were calling it Midtown Kids. But then one of the kids that's actually at Midtown, they were like, why don't you call it Kid Town? I was like, well, Ooh. shoot, that's really good. Yeah. So it might be called Kid Town. We're going to have hopefully some uh, studios, actually podcasting studios, mm-hmm. video studios, photography, uh, a music room, a rehearsal space for tracking and all cool. that stuff, and a community garden outside, a kitchen to help prep stuff. I don't know. That's I'm, amazing. I'm not short on ideas. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and meanwhile, we've got a group of people that are that we would consider ourselves the the church part of it the yeah the ecclesial mm-hmm. part of it yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah it's been fun for me as a friend to see the journey unfold um we've been friends for oh my gosh it's been a while like almost 20 years now that's a long I time i think yep yeah because that's when i came to college yeah um but yeah it's been fun because we got to see what God was doing in Nashville. And then, um, when you guys were in Nashville, I was like, Oh, Hey, there's a little, I gave you a call. I'm like, there's an opportunity here that may be a good fit. And so you guys moved back, felt God's leading and we got to work together for a while at a church. And, and then just to see you and Jamie dream up, um, and dream with God with this, with this new, new adventure with Midtown has just been so cool. And I just believe in what you guys are doing and believe in who you guys are. It's just been really fun. I see that whole story is so fun because your call came three days after Tony and I had the conversation in Nashville of like, I think I need to do something else. And, uh, yeah, and so Tony called. was the pastor that you had yeah. been working with there. Yeah. 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 And you were like, maybe I'm done with ministry. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and look I at did. you now. I know you called me uh, and I was like, sorry, any other day. <laughs> It only took another three days. It's amazing. We were talking. Yeah. So. And look now, like you're planning a church and you're reimagining church and it's just so fun. Oh man. It's well, crazy. one of the things, I mean, we, t- we love to talk about all the things, ministry, Jesus, travel, music, all the things. Yep. Um, but we love to talk about Enneagram yes. and we have been processing this together for a while because we're both ones, mm-hmm. but for a while you were like not totally sure where you landed. So talk to us about... What about the one really ended up resonating with you? And you were like, okay, this is it. This is me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, as many people do, if you're getting into the Enneagram, I took a test, a quiz online. Cause I heard about it in like 2015, 2016 at, when I was at Trevecca, still in Nashville. Okay. And I tested as a nine and then I read about it and I was like, cool, great. Uh, put that on the shelf for a year or so, yeah. and then and then it felt like so many of my friends were talking about it. So I tested again, and I was a nine, and I kind of lived into that. And I was like, okay, this is great, peacemaker. Uh, sure, I'm a middle child. I love everybody coming together. Yeah. Um, but this is so funny. So I listened to. We both love music, mm-hmm. so I listened to Sleeping at Last, uh, uh, Enneagram album. Yes. And if I anyone has not listened oof. to that Sleeping at Last Enneagram album and podcasts, they're so good. All of it. Okay, it's sorry. so good. So I listened to the nine. Like he's just there's nine numbers. Yep. In the Enneagram, um, listened to nine, and I, it did not move me at all. Mm. 
beautiful music. Yes. Didn't move me at all. So then I actually read the book. I really started reading and listening. And then I listened to a podcast and um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but they were talking about Enneagram One and the inner critic mm-hmm. and this this internal inside voice that is always going, never shuts up. Yes. And I got super emotional and in fact went back and listened to Enneagram One from mm-hmm. Sleeping at Last. And his first line, oh man, can I even remember? Hold on for a minute because I believe we can fix this. Yeah. Given time. <laughs> and I was like, somebody gets me. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. And uh and so really started reading through that, you know, and the first time I read through nines and I was like or ones, I was like, No, no, I don't want to be that. Um, but nope, I, I identify with it and one wing nine. So there's okay. the nine part. Yeah. And that's so you are, have that connection. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So the inner critic, you have a name for your inner critic, don't you? <laughs> that was another thing <laughs> later. Uh, I heard another podcast and somebody was saying their wife recommended or a counselor, somebody recommended that they name their inner critic and acknowledge their presence and then dismiss them. And so my middle name is Eugene. I went with Eugene and it's great. <laughs> we can we can acknowledge that Eugene is because the inner critic is really great. I think I don't know how far we're getting into it right now, but Go for it. Reforming um yeah, it's not perfection. It's this there's this, things can be better. Yeah. Like, can we just acknowledge that things can be better? And and I have always, I've never been about personal accolades. Um, I have wanted whatever I'm involved in to be about something, to be on mission. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and so I can push for that. And so that is not a bad thing. And so when Eugene comes out uh, in, in his best form, when my Enneagram one comes out, it's, it, it's a, it's typically a good thing. And the idea is like, let's, analyze this and then let's figure out how we can get better Mm -hmm. but when it's just constant critique Mm -hmm. and i only see the worst in organizations or even this is the worst part when i see the worst in people yeah um that's not good and that's breaking down relationships so Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah it's a little bit about ones yes so how have you learned to tap into the positives of the inner critic and try to decrease the negative impact that that the inner critic can have i think let me go to the first one yeah the, the positive um i heard ian cron on andy stanley's podcast uh-huh. and what andy stanley was andy stanley was saying was as a leader he's he's a pastor of a very very large church in alpharetta georgia mm-hmm. they have i think 450 people on staff Whoa. But when he started learning about the Enneagram, he said what was so good for him was to realize that there are nine versions of normal in this room right now. Hmm. That my way of seeing the world and viewing problems and and forging ahead is one way to see it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to even say nine, like that's even probably simplifying it too much Mm because everybody has a wing that on either side they could go to. Or they have, they have, there's a triad, there's health, there's stress. There's so many things and so many possibilities. But I think just that idea of, of recognizing that somebody else who is an, who's an eight and who gets, who, who 
gains relationship or builds relationship through conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like conflict. I don't, well, I don't like personal conflict. If yeah. it's about the organization, that's fine. But mm-hmm. personal conflict, I go into my nine and I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then to be able to recognize, is this person, what, what would this person identify as and how can I meet them in their place mm-hmm. um, and talk with them that way? Yeah. So that's been extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as the negative side... You know, this is actually kind of funny. Jamie, my wife and I, we really dove into Enneagram at the, at the same time. She's a three. She would mm-hmm. identify as a three. Yep. And by the way, why I say that identify as a three is like, I don't try to like wrap up my whole self in yeah. a number. Right. Uh, and I, I can recognize that I can go in different places too. Because sure. I also really like to get stuff done. Yeah. So I love threes. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but... Jamie's a three mm-hmm. and our motivations are a little bit different. Yeah. And she'll be open and honest about this. She's like, I care about what people think about me. Yeah. And I'm um, sure a lot of people listening feel yep, that way. Yeah. Yep. And I care that the organization or like the, the bigger thing is better. Mm-hmm. And my part in it is that I need to be um, helpful mm. in this situation. Mm-hmm. So we were laying sod. We had, a, we moved into a house that had zero scape. In the, mm-hmm. in the front, mm-hmm. very nice. Uh, just gravel and tulips everywhere. And so we wanted to, we wanted to um, completely redo that. Yeah. So yes, there is a part of the ones that's a perfectionist. So I, I measured it out. I, we flattened it. We got everything out, took the rototiller and all this stuff, got the place perfect, ordered enough sod for a little bit more because I wanted to make sure if we, if, if we mess up in a place, we'll have enough to knock this out one day Mm -hmm. well we had plenty extra (laughs) we had about almost a a full pallet oh gosh and jamie the three who will cut corners in order to get things done yeah to achieve things she's like let's just put it in the backyard and in my head i was like jamie we have to measure out where like how much we have left we have to cut that that part out we have to flatten it like this is going to take forever and she's like no just throw it down on the grass I was like, like on top of it? And she was like, yeah. I was like, no. So I, I went out and helped. She's like, we're not going to waste this sod. So um, I went out and I rototilled as much as we could. And I was just so tired from the rest of the day. And so she came out and she, she just started laying it. And I was like, I'm sorry, babe. I cannot watch you do this. This is, <laughs> it's tearing me up inside. So it was really great though. We could identify, we could, we knew what each other was about. Yeah. She knew that this was causing me some, some anxiety. And I went in and like cleaned and helped with the kids and all that stuff while she just laid the sod willy nilly wherever she wanted to. Oh my word. She achieved it and it was great. We had no fights. Nice. You know? So that's been really, really great for us relationally. Yeah, Yeah, to understand each other. To understand each other. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So the one, the desire, the basic desire is to be good, to have integrity and be balanced. Yes. What, how does that resonate with you? Uh, Just completely. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again, this comes out with the, the inner critic. If I don't feel like somebody else is doing that too, like I hold myself to such a high standard. Yeah. Um, and I want, and I, and I tend to hold other people to that too. So, um, but I think I, I do, I think that it's great. I think, one of the things that I've noticed too, though, is that I can be so hard on myself that I don't get a chance to celebrate, to mm. 
just to reflect on where we are and where, and how far we've come. Yeah. Because we're not there yet. So mm-hmm. we can always get better. Yeah. So yeah, but I, I completely resonate with mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. I do think it's challenging in my oneness yeah. because I, I can never, I feel like I've never arrived. Mm-hmm. And so then it's hard for me to celebrate because I'm like, well, there's still more to do, but I'm learning one of the things that God is inviting me to is just to like stop and celebrate even in the middle, even in the mess, because there is still something worthy of celebration in it. So we'll do this, do this right now (laughs) on the podcast. We like to just stop and celebrate ourselves because we don't do it enough. Mm -hmm. So Trevor, right now in this season of your life, how can you celebrate you? What's so funny is... And I hope I'm not like letting people see too far behind the the veil or whatever. Oh, no. You texted me this question. Yes. And I was like, Jamie, can you help me? <laughs> see? <laughs> we need to practice this stuff. Uh, and she just quickly was like, well, how about the fact that you quit your job and you're doing something completely new? Yeah. Um, and you're stepping out in faith and... Uh, yeah, that's huge. Trying to start this, yeah, trying to church plant in the middle of COVID, which Seriously. is when we started. So, yeah, I yes, I think that that would that's probably huge. be something to celebrate. I celebrate that with you. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, because also, you know, we love like balance. You know, yes, and and, and so for me, stepping out and taking risks, especially if there's if it doesn't feel very secure, that can freak me out. Yeah. So does that resonate with you too? Are you more of a risk taker type? I don't view it as risk. Okay. Like somebody even asked, so you feel called to do this? When I, when I told them about what we were about to do, and I was like, no, I feel compelled mm. to do it. Yeah. I'm hearing so many stories of people that are walking away from the church. Yeah. And they're becoming right. de-churched. And the conversations that I'm having aren't about them. It's how to make, you know, it's how to fix what we're doing right now, which that's a weird thing. Like... Mm-hmm. Yes, we should do that, but also maybe part of that, like I'm reading a book from Andy Crouch called Culture Making. It's Mm. fantastic. And one of the things that I think inspired me is that he was saying it's really difficult to change a traditional established culture. Yeah. Most of the time you have to create new culture and invite people into that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I felt more compelled to do it than anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just have to do it. Reforming, restoration, and that's part of having integrity, right? And yeah, and really going, okay, if I'm going to be true to what God is calling me to do, then risk is necessary. That's a really great way to say that. Yeah, because yeah. I think I love security, and maybe that's just a different type of the way that my personality that I operate. But I also like took big risk lately, and and I'm doing something totally different now. Yeah. Um. And was that so hard for me? Yeah. But like, did I just feel like in the core of my gut, like I had to do it? Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting, but risk can be, can be scary. Mm-hmm. So switching gears a little bit. So the fear for ones is to be corrupt, evil, or defective. What do you think about that? <laughs> or does that, does that resonate with you at all? Defective. Defective. I know I got this off of Enneagram Institute. Yeah. Thank you to them. Corrupt, evil, defective. Or would you... Or I would, would hope you... that every single Enneagram type would want to be steer clear of those. <laughs> the evil and corruption. Yes, that's true. <laughs> what would the... you say your core fears? Maybe that's a better way to ask it. Uh, 
yeah, not not being effective. Yeah. Like just when everything is said and done and we're done with something or some big project and you realize it had no mm. impact. Yeah. Or something. Um but that that is more from like a work like a vocational standpoint, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that I think to a degree though that's the defective part. Mm-hmm. Like I'm broken. I'm not I'm not helpful. I'm not adding mm. to. Yeah. Um, right. And then yes, the integrity part though is so it's it's so important, I think. Yeah. And so I that's that's something that I wish yeah, that's so difficult because you're talking mm-hmm. about like in internal motivations of yeah. myself and others. And mm-hmm. we're the only ones that know if our motivations are pure right. or honest. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. You have yeah. any more insight into that? I don't feel like I gave you a good response. No, it's fine. No, you did. I think those words seem so extreme, but yeah. I do think, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I would much rather do something that crashes and burns if I know I did it with the right heart posture. Yeah. And so I think that yeah, and I don't want to do something that doesn't feel like it's true to what God is asking me to do and just to like check boxes off. That feels like not operating with integrity mm-hmm. to me. So that I think that's where that like feeling of corruption or like evil or defective whatever, that's where it resonates with me of like, oh my gosh, if I don't feel like I'm doing this with integrity or I can't say sign on to something with integrity, like I just can't do it. Yeah. Like yep. it totally freaks me out. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yep. One of the other things that I found kind of challenging to wrap my brain around about being a one is that there's some anger associated with it. And at first <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. I'm not angry. Um, but then as I did more diving into it and, and learning about that, that may look like resentment. I was like, Ooh, dang, maybe, maybe yeah. that does resonate with me. Yep. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Oh, totally. Um, yeah, I, I did not like that at first. See, I, I resonated with the gut or the instinct quadrant. Yeah, or tell the, us a little tri- bit about that. I was huge into Myers-Briggs. So that's like I'm an ENFP or an ENFJ. I could go either way on that last okay. one. Um, but there's I or S or T. So, um, But the, the way that I take in information or the way that people take in information is that second one. It's either intuition or sensing. And all three times I've taken that test, uh, I have been 26 to zero intuition. Mm. And so I take in information from a big picture, from, from a gut. Uh, this is this is the way that I... That gets me in trouble. Mm. Uh, Jamie will say this too. Like, it does get you in trouble, but most of the time you end up being right about whatever you, yeah. you had instincts about. And so I can see that playing out with with a, with a one... I just feel like here's the way to go. Um, I have to now worry about backing that up with sound data mm-hmm. <laughs> and analysis, mm-hmm. um, which has been tough because I think a lot of the times I learned this a lot when I was in, in marketing, um, like this is the way we should do it. 
Yeah. And within marketing and research, like again, that's there's so much research involved, and so I would have to prove and give reasons for, and I did not like that. But that was a really, really great time in my life of growth mm -hmm. um, to back that intuition up with some sound logic and reasoning and <laughs> all that. Yeah. But I think the anger part is the one that I did not like. Yeah. And I was like, I don't have anger. Mm -hmm. And then somebody said too. I heard maybe it was another podcast or something. Uh, eights, so if eights, nines, and ones are all in this anger, uh, what do you call it? Triad. You, is it a triad or, or, a, or a section, I guess? Yeah. Um, eights express anger. Nines, uh, what is it, like deflect? And ones suppress? Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm starting to see it. Yeah. Because uh, I'll hold on to some, it's not really, would you say it's grudges? It's not that. It's just, yeah. And maybe it, maybe the difficult part is if I go into my wing nine, like, let me use a real life example, but kind of generalize it. Yes. Um, all right, this organization that I work for, I am not the number one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not the ultimate decision maker. I really feel like we should be going this way. Here's my yeah. gut. Um, I've been brought into some of these discussions, uh, top level discussions, and then I just feel like my voice is not heard mm -hmm. and I'm being ignored. And then ultimately the organization is going another way. Yeah. In that moment, all of a sudden I've got this anger that I have to deal with. And what is that about? Mm. Is it? And, and so then when I go to confront it, I can go easily into my nine and be like, actually, I'm going to hurt some feelings here. I'm just going to ignore it. And mm -hmm. we're going to try to figure out another way. Yeah. And we'll be strategic or whatever. But you do that so many times, mm -hmm. you can get to this explosion point where you just can't hold yeah. that much anger anymore. And you haven't mm -hmm. dealt with it in a healthy way. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just gushed a lot of words just now. No, that's good. I hope that was a coherent thought. Yeah, for sure. And I think... For people listening that are ones, I think it's like, oh yeah, that all we can resonate with that because it. So often, I think we can think of anger as negative, because that's like what our culture yeah. says. I mean, you even think about Inside Out, like the anger guy is like mad all the time and has fire coming out of his head. You know, it's like yeah. not a good look. But anger is a very normal emotion, and like the situation that you just described, that would be frustrating, and I would feel very frustrated too. And then it's just going, that doesn't have to be a negative thing. What can we do about it? And so, yeah, sometimes we may not handle it well. And sometimes the anger can actually take us to a positive place in our relationships or in our vocations or whatever it may be. Um, even in our relationship with God, mm -hmm. like anger doesn't, anger can actually be a doorway to connection with God. Oh, and if you can look at injustice and just be fine yes, with that and right. not have some sort of emotional, um, you know, emotional response i don't i don't know yeah i don't think you can right and so yeah hopefully hopefully you can deal with the anger you can you can allow it to not i think the big thing i was talking with my son about this too like what do we do with these emotions and it's not the emotions that are bad it's the actions and the words mm -hmm. that come out afterwards yeah but you can what are some tools it's so funny like the things that I'm learning from my son. Cause he has, they have tools like a tool belt at their school. Oh, okay. And one of them was uh, the breathing tool. Oh, <laughs> what is the breathing tool? You just breathe. Okay. Like it sounds so silly, but like when you get just, angry, 
you know, you breathe or they've got the trash can tool. So if somebody says something to you, just throw it in the trash can. Mm, uh-huh. It doesn't, you know, so I'm learning some stuff from him too. Yes. But just even that breathing, the meditation, the prayer, all of mm-hmm. the things that, that we can do to, to not ignore the anger. Yeah. To use it, especially for the one to get better, mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. improve things. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, with injustice, if we aren't angry about it, or if we, I mean, we can let our, our anger really fuel us to bring about more justice and stand up for the oppressed and the marginalized. Yeah. And like anger, we should be angry, like you said, about certain things going on. Um, and so I think there's a reframing of anger that, that we can have. So for people that are not ones listening, what would you say... Like, okay, for people that aren't ones, I just want them to understand this about me. What would you say? Hmm. I know I don't want to belabor this point. We're just trying to make things better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, I know that things can't be perfect in this life. Well, that's another line from that. Like, I know perfection doesn't exist, but we won't know unless we try. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, just I think acknowledge that acknowledge our effort mm-hmm. to make things better. Yeah. Don't, don't, I think the biggest thing too is maybe you can, you should get in on this conversation here. Um, ideation. Is that high for you? Or, no, okay. but Mike, Mike is yeah. oh, yeah, oh, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Jamie, she's all, I feels like I'm bashing on her. I'm not. We, we love to, Jamie. Oh, she's I amazing. I love her. She's incredible. She used to call herself the dream squasher because I would have so many ideas. Yeah. And they were all ideas on how to make things better. Yeah. And for her, though, listening to those, and she's just got this rational. I Very mean, practical. Here's the, here's the, we have to achieve this. So yeah. if you're going to tell me, yeah. we've got to have, you know, five, six easy steps to mm-hmm. get there. So she's just like, that can't happen. It won't happen. Yeah. But when you do that, for maybe I don't want to flatten all ones and say we're all like this, but the idea that we have an idea that um, something could be better. And when you squash that, that Mm. really like squashes and crushes our soul a little Mm. bit because then it's like, well, then what are we doing? What do we do? Yeah. Interesting. I can't just, I can't do nothing. Yeah. Um, So maybe, you know, for me at least, if you were to ask, what do you want me to know about you as a one? Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah. All of my ideas are to help. Mm-hmm. make things better. Yeah. That's good because I think sometimes when I, I, I'm less strategic and ideation ish than you are. I don't have those. So when we're talking about those, we're talking about strengths finders. So yeah. that's another personality tool. Mike is more that way. And so when I come up with ideas, it's almost always to fix something like he's way more of the dreamer like you. And then I am like, my ideas are like, Oh, well maybe we need to like, you know, think about though how, how to do this practically. So I may be more of a dream squasher like Jamie, <laughs> but it is, it's some, it, I'm trying to give the ideas to make sure that we actually can fix it. Yeah. Like we actually can reform it. Yep. And it's not like too huge, but I'm like so thankful for Mike and like people like you that dream the big dreams and are not afraid to, to think outside the box because I think sometimes in the way that my oneness comes across is I only want to think about things that are doable because I really want to, if I'm going to suggest like, let's fix it, then I want it to be fixable. Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting how things kind of 
yeah, play out differently for each of us in that are ones. And I think that we're in any number. And I think that's just an important reminder that yeah. as we talk about these, there's some tendencies that are similar, but yet at the same time, we all operate differently. Um, I'm like, I don't know. Okay. I'll ask you this with ones. People automatically are like, Oh, I bet your house is like spick and span. <laughs> and I bet you have everything organized. Like, you know, to the T and I'm like, Oh, please do not even look at my car, let alone my house. I think all numbers could be OCD at some point. That's true. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. no, not clean. <laughs> uh, I talked to a good friend, Eileen about this. Who's a one. Too, yeah. Yeah. And she said the same thing. Like if you go into my office, it is, you would look at it and be like, this is a wreck, but yeah. I don't view that's not, that's not the project. Yes. That's my, that's a tool. Totally. That's what, my office is the thing that I'm using to help yeah. make Midtown Collective. Right. And so um, I could care less yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. So it's kind of now it's a little bit different with my house just because that's a shared space. Mm. Um, but my tendency, even for like spaces that, I mean, I don't know. Jamie doesn't use the, the my, my workbench very much. Yeah. And it's atrocious again. <laughs> but again, that's not the, I'll, I'll have two times a year where I'm like, this isn't, this is horrible and mm-hmm. I can't find things mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. uh, it's affecting my efficiency when I'm trying to do something. Mm-hmm. So I'll totally clean it up. And then you have to give me some space because now it's my project and that's the thing and I'm going to take fix. forever to make this thing so perfect. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So that, I think that's, I don't know, maybe I, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because like Mike will say, like with cleaning, I'm either zero or 100. Oh, we need to pick up. Oh yeah. Let's dust the blinds individually and, you know, <laughs> pull out the fridge and, you know, he's like, Carly, I thought we were just kind of picking up a little bit. Yeah. Opening the Pandora Enneagram one box. It's not a good thing. Cause I've, you said individually. Yeah. Uh, dust. That's. So funny. But I will only do that every other year. Oh, yeah. Nope. As soon <laughs> yeah. as my attention focuses on yeah. now, our house is the... Uh, this is another thing, too. There is that perfectionism, again, that comes out. And so, like, the idea of, of taking on a big project mm-hmm. can be extremely overwhelming. Yes. Because we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Well, I already said it with the sod, but, like, painting our house, you know, like... Okay, we have to block out three whole days Mm -hmm. because that's how long it's going to take. And we don't have that time. So I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally do that too. I avoid the things that don't (laughs) feel doable. Yeah. And it's interesting because perfectionism, and we've talked about this on some other podcasts, but perfectionism and procrastination often seem to go hand in hand. Yes. Yeah. Because if it's not doable and you can't do it well, you may as well not do it. Yeah. Grab some Doritos and watch some ESPN. So there's another thing for you guys that want to know Enneagram ones. We're not lazy. We're practical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we try to be. I don't know. Okay, so talk to us about how your understanding of being a one has helped you in your relationship with God. Ooh, that's a timely question because lately I have been um, talking about thinking about our ideas of heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I even just kind of wrapped up and again, I don't think you ever wrap up a topic, you know, like I figured it out, but we're moving on to something else. But how I closed it out was just saying, um, it's not, we can't just relegate heaven. I don't think just to an afterlife or to a thing that a destination that we go to, Mm -hmm. but Jesus really called us into a partnership, um, with, with him. 
in, in the restoration of the world. Right. And that can seem like a huge, huge task. There's always going to be injustice because there's always going to be selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that doesn't alleviate us from the responsibility that we have, if you call yourself a Christ follower, mm-hmm. to be involved. And, and so the idea of, I've used this, and I don't know, I, I really do think this is just from my brain, because I've asked a ton of people, is this, the, is this an okay definition of hope? Yeah. The ability to see the world the way God intended it to be. Hmm, I like that. And because I pray for that and the way that I pray the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. it's not just a command. It is, God, please do this. But also it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. And, and so I cannot help but see, and maybe this is a little bit easier for Enneagram ones, just because it's our nature, but I cannot help but see where we could get better yeah. and how we could get better. Mm-hmm. And then it's, now it's the responsibility. To, am I going to be a part of that restoration mm-hmm. or am I going to just slough that off to somebody else and yeah. try to ignore it and go into my, my, uh, triad of seven where I'm just gonna, you know, let's go party and let's go have fun. Let's yeah. make it just as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I've been really wrestling with. It's affected my prayer life. It's affected mm. my, um, tell us more about that. How has it affected your just prayer again, life? Like what I was saying, the, the idea of praying the Lord's prayer, that's become a, it's become a daily prayer, if not mm. a multiple times a day prayer. Mm. And I can't, the more that I pray it, the more I can't not see <laughs> imperfections in the world Mm -hmm. you know and and i think maybe now still wrestling though with that's my version of normal um people are going to deal with this you know like quite honestly i enneagram eights yeah um so these are how would you what's the best label like the challenger it's the challenger yeah Yeah. i guess but to see them as as just wanting to challenge is not good, but I, because they, they will fight for justice. Yeah. They will fight for the oppressed mm-hmm. and they're incredible. They're a little bit like oil and water for me. Mm. Um, but I have to step back and go, Hey, wait, they're attacking the injustice that you see in the world. They may not be doing it the way that you want to do it mm. or think that that's the right way to do it, but they're actually doing something about it. Yeah. You know, or sixes are going to go about this a, a completely different way. Right. Um, and so, I don't know. It's just all been really good. My prayer life and then also being able to see people mm-hmm. um, as as perfect in their yeah. way of doing things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. One thing I was going to ask you about, um, I've heard some ones say it's really hard to differentiate the inner critic from God's voice because it's like Ooh. these things that we hear, this kind of inner dialogue in our minds that sometimes we can slip into thinking that God sounds a lot like our inner critic. Have you had experience with that? And how do you differentiate the two? Yes. First of all, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, discernment mm-hmm. has got to be an, a really important part of, again, I think prayer life. I think that this is why, I know that I know the word meditation can seem scary to some people. These are ancient practices, mm-hmm. and I do think the, that there is times for meditation. And it says in scripture, right? Yes. Meditate on the, Meditate, yes. on the word. Ooh, the yeah. word haga. I love that word. Yes. Um, 
Tell us about Hagar really quick. Oh, you, the, you did a the, sermon on that yeah, a couple years ago. That was so good. The devouring of God's word and yes, God's ways. Right. Like a lion who devours meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I think that that discernment part, well, this has been, even I was talking with somebody last night just about John 8 mm-hmm. and people questioning Jesus and being like, how do we know you're from the Father? Yeah. How do we know? And, and Jesus is saying, you know, if you don't believe me, believe, believe the Father who convicts people and draws people to me. Or, or look, at the, look at my acts. Look at the things that I'm doing. Right. And he, I've also been looking at too of like, because we live in the information age, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to help a group of people, <laughs> which just seems ridiculous, like the idea of leading people in spiritual matters because I just, again, I can see all my imperfections. Yeah. Uh, But how do we know who to follow? How do we know what voices are, um, are good? Mm -hmm. And Jesus says that after the sermon on the Mount, he's like, listen, there's going to be some other people that come behind me claiming truth. Uh, you have to look at their fruit. Yeah. You have to look at their fruit. And so when I mention Tim Mackey so much to people, <laughs> not only... I'm a Tim Mackey <laughs> fan too, for sure. Listen, the Bible Project, but also go on YouTube and find Tim Mackey sermons yeah. when he was, when he's kind of growing as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I got to meet him face to face. And I'm, and I'm telling you, just my, my interactions of seeing him with other people, yeah. uh, he is, you know, in, in a certain world, in, the, in kind of the, I don't know, it's a very small, probably subculture, but people want his attention and right. they want to talk with him. Mm-hmm. And he gives everybody attention. Mm. Like he, he is so gentle with his words and his demeanor. Um, he has the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. I, I can see it. And so I think as far as God's voice and, and my inner critic, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I have to look at what are the actions and the words and the attitudes that I'm expressing? Mm-hmm. Are they love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Yeah. If they're not, I don't think that this is God's word to me. I yeah. think this is me in my human effort yeah. uh, trying to do something mm-hmm. because, I, because that anger, that's great. But if it comes out as impatience, if it comes yeah. out as a rude word to someone and, my, and, I, and I start to see my relationships breaking down, mm-hmm. I do not believe that that's God's intent. Right. Like God was right. so relational and Jesus mm-hmm. says that so much. Right. So is that a good? Yeah, that's good. Is that an okay response? Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about, you had a screensaver or like, is that the word? Um, on your phone for a long time that said something really wonderful about like being loving. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I feel like it was a... Andy Stanley quote or something. Anyway, it just made me think of this. Oh, I I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but okay. I, it, when you said it, I was like, oh, that just reminds me of that kind of like intentionality of your, the way that you were just putting things before you to remind yourself to live with the fruit. Um, of the spirit and yeah. being loving in all relationships. So mm. anyway, we don't have to remember all the details, but I just have seen that in your life that you've been very intentional to just keep the keep the goal of being an extension of Christ's love before you in all things. Yeah. Yeah, including yep. on your screensaver. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, not to get too serious, though, I've had some dark times. Yeah. I've had some times where it's been really, really difficult mm-hmm. to, get out of, to get out of it. Yeah. To get out of my own head, 
to 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 acknowledge my inner critic, but to not be run by yeah, uh, and and ruled by my inner critic, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. So I've tried to put up safeguards. I've tried to yeah. What have, does that look like? It looks like relationships with a few people yeah. who I have given uh, free reign to mm-hmm. slap me in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And tell me, you know, I go back to my buddy, Eric uh, Dolan. I played, um, played college basketball with him mm. and I was never like the, the dude on the team. I was never the best on the team, but my freshman year of college, I became a captain. Um, I was, so I started college when I was 17 I, oh. have a, I have a September birthday. Oh, yeah. And so when I was four, my parents were like deciding, do we put him in? And mm. my mom was like, Gene, he's huge. We have to put him in now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, your dad's name is Gene. He's not yes. talking about the inner critic. No, not my inner critic. <laughs> my dad's name is Gene. Yeah. Mom's name is Dixie. But yes, I've mm. always been a large human. Um, so they were like, put him into kindergarten. But I started college late. I was 17 when I started college. And so all of a sudden, my 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 mind or my body was catching up with my mind or whatever. But yeah. I got really good my freshman year. Uh, my sophomore year, this has never happened to me before. I was a jerk. Mm-hmm. I was an absolute jerk. And there was a guy that was trying out for the team. I didn't think he belonged there. I straight up just went right up to him and I said, why are you here? Why are you even here? Mm. And my friend Eric took me into the hallway mm-hmm. and he slapped my face. Wow. He slapped me in the face and he said, that's not you. Wow. What are you doing? We well, don't even know each other, each other for a year. Yeah. Right? But I am so grateful to him. Yeah. Right. To hold me accountable to who I am and who I said I wanted to be. Yeah. So I've got about three people in my life right now. Um, really, really close with one of them happens to be my wife and yeah. got a couple others in my life. And whenever I am out of line, they have, they have the, the free reign to, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do have to be intentional about that. And so we have to have conversations about that. Yeah. What do you see in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, am I, am I displaying the fruits of the spirit right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. And you mentioned having some dark times. There may be some people that are listening right now that are really in the midst of a, a tough dark season where it just feels like they're full of discouragement, where the inner critic is the voice that they're hearing. Um, and knowing that you have been in a, in some seasons that you have said have been dark too, what would your words of encouragement be to those people? Ooh, I don't want to give bad advice. Um, it really, it really did. I, I just, I believe so much that we were created for community. And I think the worst thing that you could do, at least for me though, was to isolate myself. Yeah. And to think that I can do this with God. I should be doing this with God. Mm-hmm. And I should always be seeking insight and wisdom. Um, but the idea of having to do it by myself is, I think, my that was my first mistake. Mm-hmm. And when I started mm-hmm. opening up to some trusted people, yeah, um, I had... Uh, I want to always give people credit, man. Melissa, my boss at Treveca for a while, she saw this inner critic in me. This is before Enneagram stuff, mm-hmm. but she saw this inner critic and she just said, I love it. I just want you to turn that your conversations to solution-based conversations. Mm, yeah. Like 
don't be just so critical, but do something about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's the thing is finding people in your life that want to help be solution based. And even if that first conversation is just them listening and mm -hmm. processing, yeah. but if you stay in that, mm -hmm. that can, that, that I don't think will lead to solution. That's just called venting. Mm -hmm. And there's a time for that. Release the pressure. Yeah. Don't explode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then try and if you have friends that are that are only adding to your anxiety and your frustration mm -hmm. i don't know that those are the ones to talk with yeah um so hopefully you can find just a couple people a few people that are trustworthy mm -hmm. that you can um that you know on some intimate basis yeah and then all together praying and seeking for mm -hmm. wisdom um, and then that's ultimately how I can at least think of two times that I've kind of been in that dark place. One for a shorter period of time and one for way too long. Mm, um, yeah. But man, when you come out of it, you know, I think that's the other thing that I've realized too is like, you can write a different story with God. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be sucked into a certain way of, of thinking or being just because that's the way that it's always been. Yeah. Uh, but that's a scary place, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, and this is probably my, my re most recent big change mm -hmm. was thinking about, you know, I'm too old to start a whole mm -hmm. new <laughs> career, a new story. Um, but it's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's Absolutely. So, incredible. That, that's also good. And I think just thinking about everything that we just talked about, I love that you said find a solution because you talked about hope and like that's those two, I feel like kind of go hand in hand. Like yeah. the inner critic is not looking for a solution is not going to point out hope. It's just going to point out the problem. Yeah. But when we are having discernment about God's voice in our lives and seeking out people that are going to be extensions of God's grace, there's always going to be solution based, which is all wrapped up in hope. That's so good. And I love that. And as you were talking, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like really helping to differentiate because the voice of God will always drip with hope and drip with kindness. And the inner critic is not that way. Is a big, he or she is a big bully, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just for anybody listening to, just to know, like God's voice is kind and, yeah. and dripping with hope. And if that's not what you're hearing, then that's not God. And we, I, I say we, because I really believe like Trevor and I both, in this moment, as you're listening with, whether you're running on the green belt or you're at the grocery store, wherever you are, like, we just both want you to know that God is inviting you to hear his voice and let that voice just overwhelm you, overwhelm you with hope. And if you are a one, then that hope then is the fuel and the drive uh, to yes. do things instead of like always feeling like you're not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. I just feel like for so many of us ones, we can tune into that voice so much that we get hopeless or we just feel like there's nothing that could ever change yep. to be for the better. And then that's where we are ineffective for what God wants to do because um, we, we, there's always more to, to run after with God and partner with God, like you were saying. Um, yeah, and coming yep. back to the Lord's Prayer, like his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like he's inviting us to be a part of that. And the inner critic would say, there's not a solution here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, just to be swept up in hope, I think, is a gift of God for the ones. 
specifically. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Any other thoughts on oneness before I ask you my last question, Trevor? Um, did I already say the thing about John Mark Homer? No, you should say that. I think, you know, as if you're just starting to pursue and trying to figure out Enneagram stuff, or if you've been in it maybe for a little bit or whatever, I think one of the most helpful things that I heard is from another mentor of mine who I briefly met. You mm-hmm. got to talk to him more than I did. Well, but briefly. Briefly. But John Mark Comer, another person who I just see as exuding the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Um, he When he was learning about Enneagram, his mentor said... Everything that I'm going to tell you about the Enneagram is not true, but it's all helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think the idea was that don't get just so locked up into this number that you, that you fully like, that you like fully live into it and you're defined by it and you, and you can't break certain molds or certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think there is something about like, I'm proud to be. I'm proud to identify as a one. Yeah. I think we're great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But if you just get so locked up into that, you start missing out on the fact that like, you know, there's parts of when I go into my four or that I have a four there that's, that is extremely creative, Mm -hmm. but also like I can get very, very emotional Mm -hmm. um, when things aren't going my way. And that's when you, so we're talking about in the arrows of integration, like when that's, unhealth or stress, right? You go to a four, go to a four. Yeah. Yeah. And in times of health, go to a seven Yeah, and the enthusiast and, yeah. and all that. And so, but just to, and then just to like, think that maybe even possibly, uh, our friend James even told us about this, like think about the Enneagram as this, instead of the circle with all of the points, yeah. you think of it as a mountain and we're on top of this mountain and we, and when we get stressed or when we get jostled we have the tendency to fall off towards this number Mm. most of the time yeah but that even somebody like jesus probably was able to get into any of the healthy one any of the healthy numbers yeah the healthy versions of any of the numbers yeah this is what i would say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think that's it it's just i do identify as a one but man i i i can see all the good in all of the numbers and i would love to be able to to get into those when I need to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. That we're not completely finding our soul identity yeah. in the Enneagram. It's just a helpful tool. Extremely helpful. Yeah. Extremely, yeah. extremely helpful. I think I agree. <laughs> Very extremely, highly helpful. Extremely. Yes. Extremely. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Well, the last thing that I want to ask you about, yeah. which we always do on the podcast is for you to share a face palm moment, because I think us, people that struggle with perfectionism in some way, we can take ourselves too seriously or beat ourselves up a little bit too much over the mishaps of life. Yeah. And I'm learning to just learn, just laugh at myself instead of take myself so seriously. So with that said, will you tell us a facepalm moment? I hope this is good enough. Oh, stop. See, that's a one. It's going to be great. (laughs) Well, I don't want to like, you know, uh, skirt... A, a, a really truly facepalm moment just to like make myself look better. That's not it. When I read your text, I read face plant. Oh, face plant. And I literally had one of those okay. recently. Yeah. I, okay. So I just, I just got back from Spain. Yes. I got to go with my friends, Justin and Patrick, who did the, the Camino de Santiago. Uh, Justin's in a wheelchair. Patrick pushed him. 
you should see, you should read the book. Or yes. The documentary. What's it called? The book is called I'll Push You. I'll Push You. Okay. That's what Patrick told Justin when Justin came up with this crazy idea. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and so since then, they had a ton of people that have seen the movie, seen, the, read the book, and they wanted to know, how can I do it? I'm in a wheelchair. How can I do it? Yeah. And they finally put an accessible Camino together in 2019. Love it. And they asked me if I would go uh, document it and put yes. a video together. So we went back now. We were going to do it in 2020 in 2021 but covid yep yep so we finally went back just got back and i'm the videographer i've got my pack on like we walk you know 22 kilometers a day yeah um give or take some and we were at lunch and it was we did two back-to-back trips so um we did a first group we did the french way and the second group we did the portuguese way the portuguese way is not as traveled and there's less cafes and we had 48 people together, wow. like six yeah. people in chairs, and then a bunch of people pushing. And we got to our first lunch spot, and they were not ready for us. And so it was taking like an hour and a half. Oh, wow. So Patrick, so I've got a gimbal, like a steady cam, and, I've, and I actually shot everything on my iPhone, which iPhones are incredible. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to lessen the amount of things I'm carrying. Right. And so Patrick, he starts going into the cafe, which is up some stairs... And then back inside the building, down some stairs, and he's grabbing sandwiches, bocadillas, and he's running back out, and he's yelling them out, and he's like, who got this? Who got the jamon? All this stuff. And so, listen, we've been sitting for an hour and a half. I'm supposed to be documenting. So I start chasing him, and we're running up and down these stairs, and I've got my gimbal, and I'm doing the Steadicam shot, and Kirsten skis like, she's like, you're going to fall. And it's like, (laughs) whatever. And I did it twice, and then the second time coming up, um, I hit so hard. Oh, tripped, no. And uh, <laughs> you can hear me. Uh, I've, I've got the video. Sometime I'll show it to you. I just go like, <laughs> oh, geez. And I get back up. And the first thing I hear is Kirsten saying, I told you so. Oh, no. And so I was definitely embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, and I, my knee was very skinned up. And, oh, geez. But it was great. You know? And I played it off like it didn't hurt <laughs> until course. later when I was limping. Oh, no. And so, then you had to walk 22 kilometers the next day. Yeah. Or yeah, later yeah, that yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it was fine. It actually didn't hurt. Okay, uh, that's good. A long time. But those are my face plant, plant moment. slash face palm moment. Okay, that's great. Way to go. <laughs> like, take it to a whole new level with the face plant. I'm getting old, and I'm not as athletic as I used to be. Well, you were juggling a lot. Sure. Yes, and Let's hungry. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, All that's that. a good one. Well... Many of us have had face plants as well. So I think we're not, you're not alone in it. Yeah. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for opening up the conversation about Enneagram Ones with us. And yeah, just grateful for your vulnerability and the ways that you helped us understand ourselves if we're ones listening and helped others listen, listening that aren't ones know how to empathize with us more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm so grateful for you. Mike and I love you and Jamie and we're so thankful to call you friends and we're cheering you on with all that you're doing. Thank you. And if people are interested in learning more about you and your ministry, where can they do that? www. I have to say that because we're trying to fix some of the back end. So if you just type it. But www.midtownchurch.us. Okay, got it. That's the website. Okay, awesome. And if people want to hear your sermons, are they on there? They're not on there. But you have a podcast. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of them, but yes, we have a podcast, the Midtown Podcast. Okay. 
I'll link that in the show notes. Curious people. Yeah, cool. Okay, awesome. You've well, been on it. Yes, we got to talk about heaven. Yes. Um, which was really fun. So it's fun to then you have you on the Ditching Perfection podcast today. So this thanks for great. being here. Yep. Thank you. Well, thanks to Trevor for sharing with us. And if you'd like to hear more about Trevor or from Trevor, you can check out his podcast, The Midtown Podcast, Curious Conversations for Curious People. But here are the key takeaways from this conversation. Number one, name the inner critic and acknowledge their presence. Okay, and side note, I think it's so funny and awesome that Trevor has named his inner critic. And so I was thinking, what would my inner critic be named? And I just randomly thought Beatrice. (laughs) Beatrice isn't my middle name, but I feel like it sounds like a snooty lady who I don't want living in my brain. So hmm, Beatrice. And by the way, sorry if your name is Beatrice or if you have a lovely Beatrice in your life. It's just the first name that came to mind. (laughs) Okay. Number two, the Enneagram one believes that things can be better. Number three, when Enneagram ones are in a healthy place, the inner critic sees possibilities and can actually be a gift. Number four, I think this is important. Trevor reminded us that the Enneagram is not our entire identity. Number five, having integrity moves us to take risks. If we are going to be true to who God is calling us to be and doing what God is calling us to do, then risks are necessary. Number six, if you are dreaming up possibilities, it may be necessary to create new culture and invite people into it. Number seven, anger doesn't always have to be unhealthy. Anger, in fact, can be healthy and can be used to improve things and fight against injustice. Anger can fuel us to stand up for the oppressed. Number eight, Enneagram ones point out areas of weakness because we really want to help make things better. Number nine, I loved this definition of hope that Trevor said. Hope is the ability to see the world in the way God intended it to be. Number 10, The Lord's Prayer isn't just a command for us to pray, but it is an invitation for us to be part of the restoration. Number 11, it's easy to get stalled out when talking about problems, but shift your focus to solution-based conversations. Number 12, you can write a whole new story with God. What has been doesn't have to define what is to come. And number 13, God's voice is kind and drips with hope. Well, today for our prayer prompts, I have a couple things that I'd love for us to do. But first of all, I want to tell you, in light of one of the prayer prompts, a story about Lulu. Last week, she came home just absolutely over the moon that she had learned to cross the monkey bars. And so she was so excited to show me. We went to a park after school and she showed me that she could cross the monkey bars But the park has a really long set of monkey bars and she got to like the fifth or sixth rung about halfway through and then she just dropped down and she didn't make it all the way across, but she was over the moon. She was so excited and so proud of herself. And I loved that picture because she celebrated in the middle. 
I thought that was so beautiful that she didn't wait to be proud of herself and celebrate when she got all the way across, but she celebrated the growth. She celebrated the progress right in the middle. And I think that's really important because as I shared in the episode, and as we talked about today, sometimes I wait to celebrate until I feel like I've fully arrived or that I've reached the destination that I've been working toward. But instead, God is inviting us to celebrate in the middle. So what is God inviting you to celebrate in the middle of your journey today? You may want to write that down. You may want to share with a friend or you may want to process that out loud in prayer with God. But what can you celebrate about you today? And then finally, for a second prayer prompt, I'd love for us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let me pray this over you. And wherever you are, you can listen and soak this in, knowing that God is inviting you to be a part of the restoration story in the world. Um, Or you can even pray this out loud with me. But let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, if this episode has been helpful for you, please pass this along to others in your life who may find it helpful as well. And also, will you just take a minute and rate and review the podcast? This just helps me so much as I'm trying to get more connected with people who need encouragement on their own ditching perfection journey. Well, next week, my friends, my dear pal, Kylie Pearson Rincones will be on the podcast. Kylie identifies as a type two on the Enneagram and will be sharing with us all about life as a two. I'll see you next week.